Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show. Listening to News for the Soul, life-changing talk. Next on News for the Soul, eyes wide open with Janessa and SJ. We are a multifaceted beings living in a multi-dimensional existence. We hold the power of perception, and this power alone paints our reality. Perception influences the things we see and the things we don't see. Together. We'll explore the mystical and the material, the metaphysical and the physical, the supernatural and the concrete, the seen and the unseen. Please welcome Janessa and SJ. Back to News for the Soul. Hi, I'm and I am one of your hosts here today. I am an empowerment coach who guides leaders, healers, and high achievers to turn their obstacles into outcomes, their trials into triumphs as they master the art of being human and embody their next level self. <laughs> and I am SJ. I'm a certified crystal healer and shamanic earth and energy medicine practitioner. Also an Enneagram 7 who loves surprises, but the robot one caught me off guard of our intro. <laughs> I promise you we are much more colorful as well than that, too. So I love this, though. Welcome. Welcome to the show. So happy to have all of you here sharing your energy with us. Uh, we usually start out with a funny story, and I feel like this is more one to normalize the fact that all of us are living a human experience. Uh, but I think it was, was it last week or two weeks ago now that two, Janessa, two or three, two yeah. weeks ago, yes. Janessa and I were having a conversation about feelings, emotions, and she brought up feeling exposed. And I was like, huh. I don't think I've ever in my life felt exposed, nor do I know how to identify with that. And also help walk me through how to find this, feel it, because I certainly require the ability to feel exposed as well so that I can be conscientious of how I move through the world. But I just feel like it's like a very human moment of no matter, you know, where you think you're at within your spiritual awakening or your experience or your knowledge, how many things you understand, there's literally always something that comes up uh, that, you know, kind of catches us off guard sometimes. But I also love the surprise of it. I love discovering something new or a missing piece to my puzzle. That is my funny story for this week. Yeah. We're not talking about naked exposure here. We're just talking about the emotions of someone telling your story or um, divulging too much information about you. And I think that contrast is really powerful of SJ, like, standing so solidly in her truth that that doesn't exist in her world. While over in my neck of the woods, I'm like, which also speaks to like how much courage and boldness I embodied to step into this year and talk openly about the story of my husband and our situation because there's so many levels of exposure. I had to move beyond an insecurity in that. And that conversation was so mind-blowing for me as well because I'm like, wait, like this isn't even a thing of a thing. Like an experience, like I can have that too then. I don't need to be that sensitive to this. And so we both really calibrated in that moment to, and and this is the beautiful paradigm of our opposite uh, spectrums most of the time too, because we both end up calibrating in the moment of awareness and utilize it as an opportunity. So I want to just touch on a couple things from last week really quick. 
So for the listeners out there who jumped into the decisions conversation yesterday, or yesterday, <laughs> yesterday times seven, uh, I hope that you found some good pointers that you've been able to apply this week. And for the contest on my social media platforms with the guesses, I appreciate everyone who participated and played along. Joni, Joni Stock is our winner, and her guess was absolutely correct. I was reuniting with my husband, and I got to spend some time with him on Wednesday, and he came home on Thursday, and he is home, and we have, you know, reunited our family, which is amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, so that brings us to this week, although I think SJ is going to share some information around decisions with us because, you know, like we just talked about opposite ends of the spectrum. So she's going to tie in some information about decision making, recalibration, the opposite of not being able to make a decision, being able to make a decision so easily that maybe you get in a loop of making a decision over and over and over. And then we're also going to talk about responsibility today as well. Spoiler alert, that's me of make a decision and then sometimes be caught in a perpetual loop of having to make a new decision because it was impulsive, perhaps not well thought out, worked in the moment, but didn't have long-term, like, staying power. I think we all experience that at some times, but I definitely fall much more on that end of the spectrum. I don't know if I've ever that I can recall been stuck in the place of not being able to make a decision or being kind of in that state of paralyzation. I was thinking about this too. So also funny story. When I was listening to the radio show uh, last week with you, Janessa, on making a decision, I really sat with the like being paralyzed or not necessarily paralyzed, but of not being able to make a decision. I'm like, huh. I don't I don't think I have one of those either. So, so my <laughs> well, all right, or nothing. you're never gonna run over the toll road worker then. Like <laughs> Yeah, so my all or nothing attitude I guess never disappoints, even in this realm as well. But I feel like that decision aspect falls so in alignment with this topic of responsibility too. Because oftentimes taking responsibility or assuming it can be difficult. It can be a pain point. It can be hard to manage or lean into. And I think one of the items that make responsibility or can make responsibility a difficult topic has to do with exactly that of decision-making. And, you know, responsibilities often involve having to make a decision, and that can be challenging. Or also, I think, taking responsibility when you have chosen, like me often, to just make a decision on a whim and then just keep going, it's easy to make an excuse of, oh, well, I was rushed. Oh, well, I had to hurry. Oh, well, that decision was better than no decision. So, like, I think you can get caught in that loop of, like, but I can find an excuse for why I had to lean into this and essentially avoid the responsibility and, honestly, like, the empowerment, too, that can come from just saying and owning, like, yeah, totally. I made that decision. wasn't a great one. Also made 25 other ones after that that probably could have been avoided. So maybe we'll do better next time. But I think sometimes – there's that fear aspect, which Janessa's probably laughing because of the Enneagram information that she is a guru on. But fear for me comes up with this sometimes, too, of fear of making that wrong decision or the consequences that can, that can come with decisions can make that weight of responsibility feel like just that, a weight that you have to weigh and decide how you're going to move through that. So, you know, when Janessa brought the Enneagram into my life, I think responsibility and accountability for that matter became a lot easier for me to lean into because I knew my motivation was to move away from some of that pain or when I'm in my stress point, that fear could hit me hard too of, you know, where or what am I trying to move away from rather than just leaning into this is life, and I am responsible for me and my choices, my decisions, all of it, and it's okay when they're wrong. 
some of it probably stems a little bit from childhood as well of, you know, having very critical experiences of not having everything all together all the time or not getting that 100%. Sometimes 93 was not good enough. So taking that responsibility of why did you get a 93 and not a 100, it was like, wow. I mean, I thought I was doing all right in organic chem with a 93, but yeah, let's let's see what we can do next time, friends. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Like, what do you think about responsibility? What's one of the biggest pain points for you that comes up with people or yourself? I see so often people pushing away their personal responsibilities and taking on other people's responsibilities, and so their bandwidth is maxed out with other people's responsibility and not seeing, it's just a total blind spot of the ways that they're not fully empowering themselves with making decisions, like you talked about, uh, making decisions that would put them in that full radical responsibility. And then living on the exact opposite side of the spectrum at the exact same time showing up and saying I know I know and I take full responsibility for myself radically responsible everything that I everything that I have everything I am experiencing I've created so I've created this yet you know it's not working like it's just a really interesting paradox of those two aspects and how they pull the person out of balance of things that they don't want to be dealing with and then pushing away the things that if they were to air quote deal with would bring them into the power bring those desires that they're wanting in the manifestation and really quickly let me throw out there we are open to taking callers i said i would be better about announcing that at the beginning of the show so there's no confusion so we're still kind of beginning ish if anyone wants to jump on the line with us, feel free to call in. We're here for it, or you can send any questions in via email as well. Okay, so that's probably the most common thing I experience with clients. And I just want to give a personal story really quickly about my own inversion of responsibility and how it showed up and played out in my life partially Enneagram. There's this interesting thing about Enneagram ones who they carry, they tend to carry this wound, if you want to call it a wound or a story, um, where they are adult children marching around in children's bodies. So they're adults at a very young age. And then we've had this conversation before, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Is it the Enneagram? Is it life experiences? Is it a combination and both? So when my mom, I believe I was in fifth grade, if my memory serves me correctly, I was pretty young. My mom had appendicitis and living in a rural area, and obviously medicine today isn't what medicine was back then. They thought she had the flu. They sent her home. Her appendix eventually ruptured. Um, 24-ish hours later, just approximate timeline. And my dad carried her out of the house, rushed her off to the nearest emergency room, which was like 25 miles away or minutes away, Um, not in the middle of the night, but it was dark. So, you know, as a kid, like the darkness and the fear and not knowing what's going on, like that's the memory that my brain holds. Uh, And... They ended up doing exploratory surgery where they cut open her abdomen to figure out what was happening and what was going on with her and why she was sick and why her blood counts were what they were or whatever, whatever tests they ran. So when she was able to come home then, she had this really large incision through her abdominal, you know, very hard to sit up because your abs have been cut vertically and not the same, like it's the opposite incision of the C-section for those of you out there listening who have been through that. And so I, you know, did what I could to help keep the household in flow. Living on a farm, there was a lot of outdoor things that had to have attention um, by not children. You know, my dad had to keep the farm, the animals, the things running. And I for sure copped 
a major attitude as a teenager of like I do not need parents because of whatever stuff in my subconscious, which I do believe was a lot from that situation of like I took care of my mom. I don't need someone to take care of me. I showed you in fifth grade what I was capable of. So at 15, I just don't need parents anymore. God bless them. Uh, but it also turned into this sense of responsibility for people I love, my friends, my family, those around me, in showing up with that sense of responsibility and doing what I see my clients do, which, of course, I attract this likeness because I've lived it and I can help people with that, where I was giving away stability in key areas to really have the success and fulfillment that I would want in life. So what do you see with responsibility most often, Esther? Uh, well, I can say speaking from experience with my Enneagram 7 world, I feel like we are masters at finding other people who should be responsible for things that happened, things that came up for us, things that we did that didn't turn out the way we wanted them to. There's always an external stimuli, person, reason, but really it's an excuse uh, to deflect. I feel like responsibility is, is or was my natural default system of, you know, it's not me, it's this. It's this over here, it's that over there, it's this person, it's this situation. So, And I feel like I attract those people as well because I've lived that story. I've lived like, I don't know, like I feel like sometimes Enneagram 7s can be a bit of gaslighters with it too. Like they can flip that <laughs> script and that story so fluidly, so eloquently sometimes that even we believe our stuff. Instead of going like when I started to balance out and level out, I think, with my energetics, you come to that conclusion and that realization that when you do that, how much of your own power you give away with that. Like you lose like your essence of empowerment every single time you do that. And also like we are human too. And I feel like Enneagram 7s need to lean into that a lot more of we're all going to make mistakes and it isn't going to be nearly as painful or as scary as what you feel like it's going to be. And also, I feel like responsibility and accountability go hand in hand. I don't know that you can necessarily have one without the other. And I think that sometimes it is easier to hold others accountable rather than holding ourselves accountable until we really gain that internal landscape where we are comfortable in our own skin. We are living in our own skin with who we are and actually enjoying it. Because, you know, once you're centered within yourself, when you make a mistake, it becomes laughable most of the time, right? Like if it was an accident, like you can look at it and go, wow, I could have really done that differently. Or on the flip side of that, when somebody brings something to you, like, hey, you really hurt my feelings, instead of going, that's your problem, you can go, wow, I never intended for that, so I'm really sorry, and hold that responsibility and accountability in a completely different framework than I ever ever did when I was younger or before really leaning into looking at my internal world before I ever even glance at my external world to figure out the why of why I'm experiencing something or why something happened. I just feel like it's so empowering to have that control and power expressed on our internal world and how much more space we can take up when we're looking at ourselves as the one that's in control and holds the power to make a decision, to move forward, to solution, to resolve, to forgive, to say I'm sorry, to do all of the things. It just feels so much more empowering and cleaner to look at myself rather than to always feeling like I should look external for a reason that something's occurring. And I feel like I never have to give my power up anymore. Uh, so I would say that's that's where I live over there in that world right now. Yeah, the dynamics are so interesting. The uh, Enneagram 7, I feel like identifying blame is step one to finding the resolution, the solution. And on the other side of that with the Enneagram 1, which there's, of course, seven other filters that we don't talk about quite so much here on the show. But mine would be, 
if I'm going to try and blame <laughs> point the finger, it's because I've done something really bad and I want someone to be in my bad boat with me. <laughs> like, I can't be in this boat alone. <laughs> so, yeah, there's different driving factors. You know, the twos are going to be responsible for everybody else because they're such caregivers and helpers and they relinquish that care of themselves because it feels selfish and heavy and self-centered and really negative. It makes them cringe. Threes responsible for doing everything. It's what makes them worthy. So they'll take on all sorts of responsibilities, especially if it's going to lead to achievements, accomplishments, a job well done. You're welcome to join the conversation. You know the Enneagram quite well as well. I feel like fours really take the responsibility for their emotions, all the emotions and everything, like feeling the weight of the feelings of the world and really ensuring that everyone else can feel it as well. I almost said understand. That's my filter. Can also feel and lean into those emotions too. Um a very good friend of mine is an Enneagram 4, and she, I would say, early in our relationship drove me absolutely insane because I just couldn't comprehend the pain or the woes that she was experiencing or the why, and I drove her insane because I wanted to jump directly into the solutioning stage of, like, what are we going to do about it? Like, why are we wallowing in the melancholy messiness of bleh? But, like, Black is what she's so good at. Like, she's so good at relating to all of the heavy feelings and emotions that, you know, when I look at her responsibility stance, like, I always thought she was irresponsible because she wasn't taking an initiative to do something. But she was so responsible for making sure that all of the feelings and emotions from her, from anybody involved in the situation, were fully acknowledged, recognized, felt, all of that. So I think responsibility paradigms can make a huge shift as well when I start looking at how deeply responsible the force can be for all of the feelings and emotions of the world, too. Yeah, the stress point of the one into the four, it's a lot of feels happening up in there. I know one of my areas of relinquishing responsibility, of course, when we're stressed out, you don't get the best of someone, would, would be in the, the moments of stress when I was very much in my feels and not able to move to the solution yet because I'm feeling a lot of things. <clears throat> I wasn't taking responsibility for my feelings, which is a part of being human that really empowers us to step into our power. So instead, I would look at what other people are involved in the situation and then give responsibility away to them that they made me feel this way. (laughs) And my feelings are my own responsibility. Um, So Enneagram 5, you know, they're really, really responsible for having resources, energy, finances, the things that if they ran out of, they would feel incredibly vulnerable. And so they will place their priority of responsibility around those items. I feel like the six, like I have so many sixes in my life, but really lean into being responsible for safety, security, that like firm community feeling all coming to play as well. And I often wonder, you know, how much of that weight of pressure and stress of being concerned, you know, specifically with like safety and security, how much of that can bring in anxiety as something that prevents them from really leaning into just being responsible for themselves rather than the entire community safety and security aspect too. And how, how much energy expense that is too. And how far in the future with that anxiety are they looking and how many future options of reality they expand themselves to planning for. That's such a huge expense of energy on the responsibility that they take on for all of those scenarios that could play out, probably won't play out, but may play out. Got to make sure we're ready for it just in case they do. Yeah. Uh, Sevens we've already talked about. So let's go to the eights, the challengers and leaders in the world. So they're pretty take charge. Like we're, we're really responsible for everything and 
God's work on earth justice. Like loads of justice need to be served <laughs> by the Enneagram 8 too. Um, I know you have some Enneagram 8 in your personal circle. Anything else come top of mind of what you see them often living out in responsibility or what they give away in responsibility? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like they give away their own time and energy in responsibility because they overtake or assume control of anything and everything that they are given information to. So I just feel like they are responsible for every aspect. And then, you know, when things don't come or play out the way that they would like it to, I feel like they also take on a lot of shame and blame. I think they're their hardest critics, even though like that external shell doesn't show necessarily that. I feel like that internal gooeyness of the eight just takes on so much um, guilt when things don't play out the way they want. And oftentimes when that happens, their vulnerability side gets triggered to where they just try to assume more and more responsibility and control. Like, oh, it was this aspect over here that I didn't take responsibility and control for. So next time I'm going to take that too. But there's never anything ever taken off of the plate um, and reassessed too. So I, I feel like that's what I see play out in my eight friends around me too. Yeah, and then we have the Enneagram 9 you know, they're really responsible for peace, <laughs> so much peace and harmony that they want to have in their life. Um, so, that's, yeah, that's the main thing I see pop out really boldly with Enneagram 9s. Anything else with your Enneagram 9 hubby that you see regularly, responsibility? I know they also, um, they, with the initiation struggle, they'll give responsibility away with getting started on things, but then once they're rocking and rolling, they are rocking and rolling. Yeah, that was what I was going to say, too, is just the initiation aspect of the responsibility is the only other thing that I really see. I also feel, though, like the nines take a lot of responsibility for making sure that there is peace and harmony and people are just trying to get along or make, not even get along. Like, I feel like nines are okay with fake it to make it. But oftentimes they give away the responsibility of how they truly feel about a situation or an individual and oftentimes to the detriment of themselves will they give a lot of that responsibility away to where the priority is making sure that the atmosphere appears or feels okay rather than if it truly is okay. Beautiful points. We have a couple questions, so let's dive into our questions. We have a question from Allison in Chicago. Thank you for writing in. I'm dreading the holidays, Christmas dinner with my extended family. It takes me weeks to build myself up again afterward. Every year I revert to a childlike victim energy state that affects my energy in every way, especially with work and money flow. What can I do to break this cycle and stay in my power this year? I don't want to have to cut them off, and there must be a better way. My favorite topic, energetic boundaries, is what I would say. Like, boundaries are key to this, making sure this might be a little bit woo-woo, Allison, so hopefully you're into that stuff because that's where I live. But really leaning into ensuring that that auric field is fully sealed um, in the Stronger Together community, we have, I feel like there's so many resources about energetic boundaries, but certainly on having your auric field, which is essentially your own energy to you, to where you are experiencing and responsible for your own energy, but not being impaled or like having anyone else's energy thrown at you or invading your space so that you're not taking responsibility for their own energy. I have seen so many clients, once they have a sealed auric field, energy field, be treated instantly at the snap of the fingers, completely different than they ever were before, just because the energetics of the space you take up is so much more empowered and pronounced, and you don't have that almost prey aspect that sometimes can come into view when we don't have our energetic boundaries or auric field functioning at 100% for us. Because one of the main concepts of the energetic boundaries is that not only do they protect us, 
from energy we don't or experiences we don't want to have, but they also attract to us energetics as well. So if we're giving, you know, going into something with the dread, also manifestation comes in there, right? Like if we're dreading it and expecting to get beat up by our family, that's probably exactly what we're going to attract if we don't have those boundaries on point as well. That is so true. I second everything she said. Especially I feel like when it comes to family, energetics is oftentimes an easier way to work through the mud and the muck, especially when you don't want to have to cut them off. So when you mention the victim energy state, if you go back to if you haven't already listened to Tracy Cardello was on with me, and we talked about the victim triad and the victim mindset. You can really see all the ways that that shows up and the dynamic that you're going to see other people in your family play. Because if you're feeling the childlike victim role, if you will, then I feel quite certain, while I know very little about your situation, that other people within your family are going to be playing the other roles within that triad. So there's going to be a rescuer, there's going to be a villain, and really being aware of what that dynamic looks like before stepping into it can be really helpful. And also making the decision that you're not participating anymore, a lot of things can shift and alter when we just make a decision for ourselves. And I have coined this phrase or said it for quite a long time with my clients, having a really for real, real moment with yourself and that might be required in this situation. Having a for real, real moment with yourself about what does it look like this year to meet my own needs and to celebrate with my family. Does that look like I show up for an hour instead of all day? Or if you would used to go for days and stay overnight, does it look like showing up for a day instead? What adjustments can you make that's going to protect your energy, your emotions, and keep you in your power. Maybe it's just simply your interactions, who you choose to talk to when you get there. But I would really work on the front end before going around some of the patterns that you recognize have always been. Like what is happening within these interactions every year where you end up reverting back to this childlike victim energy? And sit with that, and it might take a little while for the answer to bubble to the surface, but sit with that and see what the triggers are. What, what's triggering that and creating that every year? Because when you know what your triggers are, you can do some tapping around that. You can do breath work around that. There's a lot of resources that you can do for free around that. And there's a whole gaggle of resources within the Stronger Together community if you want to take it deeper that would intervene and create new patterns and space for new patterns to arrive in your life. So I also want to just quickly state that, you know, cutting people off and not showing up for a year isn't necessarily the same thing. And it's not rejection if we state it's rejection to take some time for yourself to heal. Quite often healing comes um, the human body heals in a water environment, and water holds space for us. And so within that natural rhythm of nature and life, sometimes we are best served by creating space for ourselves to heal. And so, again, just having a really for real, real moment with yourself, so what does that look like? What kind of space do you need to provide yourself to allow a reset with your family to create some new patterns going forward. One other technique that I think is really helpful that we have in Stronger Together but is so easy to do as well is something called Spirit to Spirit where you have a conversation with essentially that family member who makes things a little bit tough with their higher self. So, you know, sitting with that too of each individual family member, what comes up and have that conversation, journal it. Um, from the spirit-to-spirit level where you're not talking to them specifically in person, but just to their higher self. And just write down, like, 
hey, be really honest. These are the experiences we've had, and this is the new experience we're going to have with each other. This is the new way of behaving that we are going to interact. Uh, and just see what comes up for you and also see how those shifts oftentimes happen very, very quickly through that spirit-to-spirit technique, too. If we have time at the end of the call, I'll go over a little bit of the astrology we have going on right now because we kind of have a lot up in the relationship uh, houses right now that are going to probably have a pretty dramatic effect on the holidays as well. So I get really excited. I've been so excited about this for um, a month you've had to listen to me. So we have created some offerings that are all energy healing, a whole library in each offering, and one of them is with our loved ones, having that harmony with the loved ones, having that energetic support to repattern our families, our relationships, our dynamics there. So that is so something else that we're just getting out there. We're just getting released. And, you know, I'm all about the receiving. Like, we've had radio shows about that topic, too. Like, less can be more. And sometimes it's nice to have that energetic support so that you're not floundering, struggling through the actual physical moments of the things. So I want to throw that out there. Um, We will, of course, be getting these offerings up on our website, social media. If you're interested, there's body, time and money together, time and money, relationships, and your purpose. And so if any of those call and speak to you in an area where you're working through your personal development and want some energetic support, you can reach out to me on any of my social media platforms, SJ sold out social media platforms, Crystalline Currents, Energy Healing by SJ, Fiercely Radiant Soul, Genesis and Lee Ford, and, of course, our websites, email, so forth. It's all out there. And it's on the News for the Soul page. So anything else for Allison? I feel like we gave her so much. I know. I hope she had a paper and pen. We went went hard in the paint, as I say. (laughs) Yeah. There's so many options, and as you always say, there's different ways up the mountain, too. So if one doesn't feel right and the other one does, go with that intuition. Always trust yourself first because you know best. Yes, you absolutely know what you mean. Okay, Deborah in New York. Fabulous question. What is the Enneagram? Okay, so I'm a nerd, and usually when I talk about the Enneagram for brand new people, I spell it because it's spelled weird, and I know my head points out there are going to want to go to Google and ask Google, like, hey, what's the deal on this thing that they're talking about? And I, too, do that even as an Enneagram one. I went, I can't spell it. I can't, like, hooked on phonics isn't working for me. I get really frustrated. So the Enneagram is a personality typing system, and it is spelled E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. And it has nine different filters of the way people view the world, including specifically what motivates them, what their core motivator is, what their core fear is. It's so flipping accurate. I adore it and love it. It helps relationships so incredibly much in just having the cognitive information. And it also gives you a path to your personal growth, which also is Fantastic. When you're in the personal development field, like nothing else lights your heart on soul than being a little bit better every day as an Enneagram one. That's my purpose. So anything that helps me in that fashion, of course, I'm going to nerd out about. And so I'm a big fan of the Enneagram. We have a couple past episodes about it. If you want to jump into the archives, you can hear more specifically what the different nine types are, what your energy that you're, you're being, your personality fuels off of is because you're going to be feeling that emotion more than any other emotion out there unless you've blocked it. And then it also maps out how you respond during times of stress, which you've heard us talk about some here already today, and how you respond during times of growth. And it's just this powerful 
accurate tool to help you understand your spouse, understand your loved ones, understand the cashier at the grocery store, just understand humans in general. All right. Exactly. Any of my Enneagram friends out there, too, that also like sister wives, I had a fun moment with my mom of watching those replays because they brought up the Enneagram where they had taken the personality type. And my mom was like, oh, guess what they are before they tell us. And I am accurate still. So yep, you can, once you see those Enneagrams, you can't unsee them play out in the world. Like it's very, very quickly, I feel like, that you can lean into understanding uh, where somebody centers so that you can meet them where they're at. And I think that's the beauty of it. We don't want to go into conflict or have resistance or have people not like us. So if we know what they're looking for, it's so much easier to meet them there. Like, hey, Enneagram 4 friend, you prioritize feelings. Not very good at that, but I'm going to do what I can to meet you there. <laughs> I'll just acknowledge that we are different on that space too. So it's a beautiful paradigm to use in everyday life. And if you want to, you know, type people on series, TV shows as well. <laughs> It is a bonding yeah. moment, should you choose it. <laughs> I am a little stuck on sister wives. So I'm the person who watches no TV. I would never have guessed out of all the things on TV that's an option. Like if I had a quiz, I would have failed. And I feel like I know you really, really well. <laughs> never would have I guessed. Like, yeah, sign us, up for sister wives. I feel like I need to know more. How? How did this come to me? Well, there's so much chaos within it. So my little Enneagram 7 heart is just like engrossed within the, oh, my gosh, how is this real life? How are they living this? But, yeah, essentially, I mean, it's, you know, three, is it three, oh, four wives and a husband. And it's been going for 17 seasons, I think. And I'm a nerd and have watched this thing from season one. And now that we're at season seven, it has imploded. And now there's only one wife. So, the train wreck just took a while to get there, I guess. But, yes, one of my guilty pleasures of shows that I love when I just want to zone out. And, you know, I feel way more normal after watching it. So it normalizes <laughs> my chaos. Right, right. Oh, well, that's a paradigm that I could be living, so I'm really grateful for that not being my life. <laughs> my life is so calm. It's so peaceful. So perfect. Exactly. So adventurous. Uh, okay, thanks for indulging me. That is amazing. I'll just be over here if anybody wants the documentary on YouTube. I'm your girl. Um, I want to touch yeah, on social mama, mama. responsibility. Yeah, I know. He's great. Uh, so social responsibility in the human condition. Have you ever been in a situation, friends and news for the full family, where you are in public and you're seeing something go down, and you're like, huh, should I offer some help? Should I take some responsibility? And you feel that pull or that nudge, and then you just keep going on with your day. Now, I'm sure there's some personality stuff wrapped up in this as well, but there's actually research and data that shows that social responsibility for us as humans is this more common response to not actually engage because there's other people. And so why step out and why do that? And that's just not an amazing paradigm to fall into, you know, because if we always have that notion that someone else is going to step in what if nobody does? And doesn't it feel better to give help and it adds days to your life? We learned this a couple weeks ago. So lots of positive things happening there. Uh, so, Ashley, anything on social responsibility for, you know, the collective of the human race? Well, we are all part of the collective consciousness. So I feel like we can never tap out of having social responsibility because my belief system is we are all connected to the same consciousness. So 
definitely leaning into the fact that we are all connected, I feel like brings us all closer into the understanding and the knowingness of the social responsibility. So that is where I center on that. Any more you want to add with it? I just think it brings up a perplexing question around responsibility and action. How does this correlate? Is responsibility always action? Because here in this example I gave, it's really engaging and moving into action. I think it depends, right? Because an action could just be acknowledging that a situation that occurred is not the experience or a state of balance, perhaps even, that we would want to experience. I don't know that the action has to be interjecting oneself into a situation as much as the, there should always be some sort of action, but the action could be an acknowledgement, an understanding, a thought, something like that in my mind is where I go with that because I don't feel like any of us have to take responsibility in the form of action of interjecting ourselves into something that is perhaps unsafe. I know. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Like my mind goes to that too. And I refrained from diving in because having been in the criminal justice field, like I was programmed to run towards danger, which Mm -hmm. is really not necessarily the human default programming. Um, So I was just looking up the definition of responsibility because I love looking up the definition of words because we tend to hold our own definitions around different words that can be really skewed from the actual definition. And if you don't sit with yourself for a minute and have a real, real moment with yourself, you'll not actually realize that your definition is different. So that the Webster's responsibility, although I should say the Google's responsibility definition, is the state or fact of having a duty to deal with something or of having control over someone. So having duty, having duty to deal with something doesn't necessarily mean action is required. That's that's an intriguing thought for my brain to process. The state or fact of being accountable or to blame for something. So I can see that, especially from accountability and blame standpoint. Really easy. How do you, yeah, anyway, from the social. I'm done being a nerd. This is what my brain does. This is the thought thread of Janessa in real time. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed it. Or you might just be out there scratching your head saying, how does she get through her? This is part of the process. We all have our processes. This is part of my process of genius. So moving toward the top of the hour. I mentioned our super exciting offers that we have regarding loving your body, if you feel like your body is not a miracle, if you feel like it doesn't work for you, if you feel like it just breaks down, you can't trust it and it's not reliable, like you are rolling around in an old beater vehicle that just might give out at any time, please consider the body healing offering that we have put together. Because it really allows you to strip away the shame, the judgment, and all of the ways in which our mind, body, and soul don't sync up, that we don't pay attention to our body when it's a constant, miraculous, brilliant feedback machine. It's constantly talking to us if we understand its language. So also with body, we have the time and money, to have time and money freedom. So good. Time and money are endless resources. And... I'm just going to leave it at that because that's really the bulk of where we want our paradigm to shift toward, and that certainly isn't the paradigm that we grow up in. Loved ones, we have our family offering that's going to help improve those relationships with your family so you can embrace them with ease, feel like you belong within your family, have harmony within your family. Like we talked about earlier, so I won't repeat myself over and over again, creating new space to let go of the old patterns so you can create connections, traditions, and relationships within the family dynamic that really serve you and support you and lift each other up rather than tear you down. That's an 
unfortunately common but very sad pattern amongst families is that they actually weaken one another rather than unite and strengthen one another. And then our soul's purpose, we've even had a show about that here on Eyes Wide Open as well. But everything that will help you connect with, understand, draw out your passion and purpose, tune into what you were created to do that lights you up, fulfills you, and really sets your soul on fire. And also, like, it's amazing, too, Allison or anyone else who is listening, the boundaries that we talked about, the energetic boundaries, those videos are in each one of those as well. So if that piqued anyone's interest or really you feel like you want to lean into that, those boundary videos are included with each one of those options, too. Another amazing option that I feel like is something that everybody needs in their life is we have our immersion sessions where you can join Janessa and I. We will work that energy one-on-one through a app called Voxer where whatever your priority is, she and I will sync up our schedules to work together. What we have seen with these sessions are insanely amazing results, things that would take us six to nine sessions to do individually when we put it together we clean out those patterns in just this one immersion session Uh, it is a 199 dollar value that realistically is a 500 dollars value but then if you take that times nine that number can get vastly larger so an amazing offering but only available to the stronger together community so so many goodies that you can pick up in one fell swoop by just coming into that Stronger Together community. You can find that in the uh, Eyes Wide Open platform, but also on each of our sites, our social media. You can find it and us everywhere to be seen and found. So FiercelyRadiantSoul.com or CrystallineCurrents.com are great resources to find each of those that you're looking for as well. Yeah, and our next call in Stronger Together is tomorrow night. We are going to be walking through a healing session on responsibility. And if you are an individual whose parent raised you that mommy gets sad when you do insert behavior or daddy gets angry when you act out in public, this healing is for you because that is another way that we are made responsible for our parents and we carry that with us in our subconscious when we don't need to. So we are looking forward to seeing you there tomorrow night or in any of our incredible offerings we shared with you here this evening. I will be back with you guys next week solo, talking about a little something-something. I'm not sure yet, so it's going to be a surprise for us all. So until then, friends, keep your eyes wide open. Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show. Hey, 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 hey,